everybody, Jimmy Smith. Today on the MMA on Sirius XM podcast, Ryan McKittle and Anthony Smith speak to our own Angela Hill about the strawweight title fight at UFC 281, the state of the division, and her upcoming fight against Emily Ducote at UFC Orlando on MMA Today. Plus, I answer listener questions from the UTC midweek mailbag on Unlocking the Cage. Wei Li Zhang taking out Carla Esparza and to talk about that historic victory and to talk about that division and where it lies. We welcome in. Well, she's the regular co-host here on a Wednesday, but she had some fight camp obligations. So she's joining the show right now. It's overkill. It's Angela Hill here on a Wednesday. What's up, Ange? Hey guys, how's it Hi. going? <laughs> you know what the deal is. It's much easier to come off uh, a fight card like we had on Saturday and to come in here and to chop it up and have fun when we have all these great storylines to talk about. Angela, this fight card was so big and so monumentous and so many finishes and so many stories and narratives that we haven't really even dove into the co-main event. You are the queen of the strawweight division. No one has fought more in this division, more than you. You're a part of that inaugural class. You've seen it all. You fought just about everybody. What'd you think about the performance of Wei Li Zhang? And again, becoming champion once again, really for me, Angela, uh, kind of a signal of, you know, timing is everything in this sport. Is it not? It really is. Um, you you look at Carla's track record and you look at how she climbed the top and how she um, was able to put that streak together. There's a lot of decisions, a lot of split decisions, and she was just really lucky in a lot of those. Um, you know me, I'm always scared when it goes to the judges and she ended <laughs> yes. up coming out on top more often than not. So um, she really looked lucked out and getting the opportunity in the first place. But when she fought uh, Zhang and Yan, she really made people take a look at her seriously like oh hey maybe Carla's ready for that shot again um in the Rose fight nothing really happened so we didn't really yeah. get to see the level of Carla against that type of level of fighter but in this fight she was forced to fight um Willie Zhang she's just she's a monster man and she's she's getting good everywhere she's not just a striker when she came onto the scene um you could tell right away that she was a quick learner. She's a quick study. She went from decisioning Danielle Taylor to knocking out Jessica Andrade in like a year's time. So she really was able to uh, swim when a lot of people might sink in the strawweight division at the highest level. And then we see her now fighting Carla and just making her look like uh, you know, a, a white belt on the ground, not a white belt, but making her look like she a wrestler. Do, she dominated her. Yeah, she made her look like a wrestler and not yeah. a grappler. And Carla's actually a really, really good grappler. She's a really good uh, jujitsu player. And for whatever reason, Zhang Yan was, I mean, not Zhang Yan, Whaley Zhang was just able to dominate on the ground. So I feel like it really is a, a good demonstration of how quick of a study she is and how she is able to take a, a fighter, take an assignment and figure out their weaknesses and learn new tricks to dominate them in the fight. Angie, do you think, uh, did Carla do better or worse than you expected? Um, I mean, you can't really tell. It wasn't, it wasn't that long of a fight. Uh, she, 
she brought the fight to her. She didn't sit back on the back foot and wait as much as she did in the Rose fight, at least with the first round. Um, so she did better in that sense. But she, uh, like I was saying, um, I was saying during the fight, she has like a set number of patterns and she never really deviates from that, especially in a scary fight where, you know, you might have to learn some new skills in order to trick the person in order to be a little surprising. She always goes back to the well. She always does her charge combination. She does her uh, grab the leg and just kind of hold on to it. Just grovel is what my grappling coach calls it. Grovel on the floor where like your head is on the mat, but you have a foot. So you're like, I got something I could climb up them if I got something she always does that in her fights and a lot of times she's able to climb up them and get to a good position but in this case um uh Whaley was able to use it against her so you know that she's if you're a good enough athlete Carla is easier to prepare for and I think Whaley was just that type of athlete where she could learn things quick she wasn't um she wasn't intimidated by Carla's wrestling because she also felt like she was a great wrestler. Do you think like if you're Carla Esparza and, and I'm just interested because this is, this is like your world, you know? Um, do you think she would have done better had she maybe approached it more like she did the Rose fight? Like maybe less is more hmm. in terms of her skill set? I don't think or do you, th- you Or do you think it would have been worse? I, I mean, I don't think you can with Whaley. She's she's coming forward. She's gonna yeah. bring it to you. Um, you can't do it with Andrade. You can't. There's a certain amount of fighters where you go in there and you're like, oh, I better get on that treadmill. You know, like I better yeah. work my cardio because they're not gonna wait for me. They're gonna come forward. And Rose is more of a kind of cerebral type fighter, like like an Adesanya, where she'll try to. Br- She'll try to trick you. She'll try to make you fall into a trap. Mm. And that's when you have people waiting for action, waiting for something to happen. Um, in this fight, Willie, I, I really doubt that she would wait. In every fight, she started fast. She's tried to um, just get ahead of the other person that she's fighting before they have a chance to catch up. And that's her style. That's what works for her best. So I don't think Carla would have been able to. She would have gotten caught up against the fence, like trying to dodge punches or yeah, something. You don't be there. No, no, definitely. And then like she she used to be good at kind of going backwards and then shooting. But people got wise to that because it's it's easier to tell when someone's going to shoot at you when they stop and then go forward. So mm-hmm. I think the best game plan for Carla was to go forward and was to try to create some scrambles and see where she's at on the ground. But unfortunately she's at a really good spot. <laughs> right. So I know you got your own, you got your own thing you're focused on right now. That, so I don't want to like, <laughs> I guess deviate your mind from that My little thing, you know, you got <laughs> thing your little I'm thing, on. this little thing you got going on. Yeah. Uh, so, so I don't want, I don't, I guess I hate asking this question when people got fights coming up, but like, if you're looking at, at a Whaley fight, like your style is really interesting. And I like watching you fight. How do you, how would you deal with that? Cause like, I do kind of this, the same thing. Like I used to be a middleweight. So I look at Alex Pajeda and I look at Izzy like, well, fuck, if that was me, this is what I would do. You yeah. Know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you got that a little bit. You know what I mean? So like, where do you, how do you see that going in your head? Like, what do you do? I don't know. It's it's a hard one because don't she's, lie. she's you an lie. anomaly. She's no, a, well, I, 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 
I haven't been looking at her like that. I'm like, I'm focusing on these other bitches that like <laughs> that. I can't I can't get robbed by this one. Like, I can't. That's it. That's the end for me. Um, You know, it's you got to go forward. You have to. You have to set the pace, but in a whaley fight, she's going to bring the pace to you. I yeah. think I think if you try to keep that pace up, eventually she'll start to slow down and then you can start picking shots. But you have to stay safe in the first few minutes. I think she probably hits hard as a motherfucker. Like I saw her at the P.I. and she was doing pads and obviously pad work. It's always going to uh, look better than how you actually spar or fight. But um, she's throwing bombs, you know, so like there are there are a few a handful of straw weights who can really throw bombs like her. And in that case, you have to be a little elusive. You have to draw things out. And that's the same with the shots. You have to draw them out. You have to uh, be ready to switch your stance, be ready to down block, to sprawl, and then be ready to like block the punches if they're just trying to face fake you out. So I think making her miss a bunch in the beginning would be a good way to slow her down and then start trying to capitalize on stuff. But uh, yeah, she's she's a well-rounded fighter and you can't really say that for a lot of straw um she's she's just good everywhere we're here with angela hill overkill on a wednesday talking about ufc 281 she joins myself and anthony smith listen angela there's a lot of um well questions i guess in this division rose and her activity we don't know exactly what that is going to mean obviously jessica andras she has that fight i believe coming up with lauren murphy um, here in a, a couple of months, of course, there's the fallout from Lemos and Rodriguez. Lemos did what she did, a woman that you know obviously well. I, I, I'm just curious, what should the UFC do here with Wei Li Zhang? What would you do? Um, I mean, yeah, you don't think you definitely don't think that Carla's getting an immediate rematch. Um, just and you can't, it you don't think so. It, it, they usually that's kind of messed gonna... up but yeah that, that was good <laughs> my bad we all stopped we are all like right wait now. what yeah, <laughs> she really wanted to be like this motherfucker is an idiot like, <laughs> are you in the ufc i Don't was confused you know did you they... watch on saturday do you, do you not know how they do things <laughs> <laughs> well and to that point it also can't be rose right or i mean could it would you do that even though rose has two wins over your champ like would I, I, would you do that to Wei Li, um, or was yeah. that a timing thing? Was that a timing I, thing? Why we why 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 Wei Li lost to Rose those prior two times? Um, it's it's hard to say because uh, a lot of people believe that she won the decision fight. You yeah. know, Rose has one definite win over. Sure, sure. Got the immediate immediate rematch because it was a quick finish, and then a lot of people felt like Willie went back and fixed her game and fought a great fight against Rose, but just didn't get the nod from the judges. So you know, I'm always a soft spot for people who who barely got that win. Yeah, you know, they almost got that win. I think Whaley, when invited 
it as well because she seems like she's game to those tough fights. She seems like she's game to securing her legacy. And that's the only blemish on her record in the UFC, those two fights against Rose. Yes. So um, I think she'd invite that. Uh, before that, though, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Lemos got the call just because, hey, she she got a knockout over someone with a streak. She kind of stole Marina's momentum by getting that knockout in that fight. And it was a main event. So there's a case you can build for Lemos as well. Um, I think Andrade is getting ready for a fight, so she yeah. wouldn't be taking that call. And yeah, I, I just I'm I'm not sure how fast Rose wants to jump back in there. And I also don't know if Rose would want to take an L from Whaley just because she has those two wins over her and because she's getting better, she seems more motivated than Rose she's does. So young. She seems yeah. like less of a head case, you know. Well, she's probably a head case too. I can't just assume, but <laughs> I think every champ is a head case in their own right. Well, because it's um, a huge mental strain, whether you're dominant or not. Sometimes when you're dominant, yeah. it's more of a strain. Yeah, but I think she takes that and she channels it into energy as opposed to hesitation. Yeah. And that's something that you've seen in every one of Whaley's fights, where in the Rose fights, sometimes she's going forward, sometimes she's explosive, and sometimes she's kind of hanging back and and allowing things to happen that you're kind of surprised she'd allow to happen. So it's uh it it would be a tough fight for Rose. I think, I think it would be a lot tougher, even knowing how close the last fight was knowing how much of a snooze fest your fight with Carla was. I think she might be hesitant in taking this fight. She'll probably want to see Whaley in another fight before taking it so she can game plan for that. So that's why I think they might end up making that limos fight because she's, I guess uh, I feel like the closest to deserving of a title shot right now. And they're probably going to want to keep Whaley active, especially if they go to China next year. All right. Last thing for me, obviously we're talking about your division. We got to talk about your fight a little bit. Hey, um, what are the, I guess which is with all this stuff happening at the top of the division, what, what are the stakes in your fight? Like what's it, what's at stake for you? I mean, obviously you want to keep climbing the rankings and, whatever but is it just getting a win or is it are you trying to because you i i think you're one of the most popular people in the division yeah regardless oh. of what you're regardless of the wins and the losses or whatever yeah. um you're, you're absolutely the most recognizable name you know outside of the top couple girls in that division so like are you you, you need like uh, are you thinking about this like you want a big finish you want to show out and i i think I hate asking these stupid fucking questions because I, I know that's exactly <laughs> what you want. But is your goal to try to jump people in line and and I don't know, maybe start sliding your way into some of those conversations? Um, I think my goal right now is to get a streak because I just came off of a three fight lose streak. And, you know, yeah, people arguably. people don't remember <laughs> how how, uh, I guess, legit the losses are when they look at your record and they see three losses, they're like, Oh, what's this girl doing here? Or they mm -hmm. see the whole record and they're like, what's this girl doing here? So I, I really just want to build a streak and it doesn't matter if I'm fighting number 50, number six, if I can get a streak together, then I'm showing people that I deserve, uh, just a shot. I deserve a sniff 
at a main event and then like uh, an inkling of maybe getting a title shot. But it's really just about getting the streak going. And for the longest, I didn't understand that. I was just like, I'm gonna fight anybody anywhere. I don't give a fuck. But now I'm more focused on the fight in front of me and less focused on what could be in the future. And I know that's kind of a, a cliche line, but when when you are eager and when you do see those fights and you're like, man, I can compete with those girls. I can beat those girls. It's hard to keep focus on the person in front of you because you're like, Oh, what if, you know, what if I, what if I'm Carla and I luck out on all my split decisions and I ended up getting the nod instead of the, you know, thumbs down. Like what if that had happened? Um, So that's why I try to keep in my own head, like, okay, yeah, you lost a couple fights, but, this one should have gone your way. This one, everyone thinks you won. I have to remind myself how good I am in order to stay motivated and able to, in order to stay uh, confident in my next fights. And this one, I'm, I'm really confident. But of course, everyone gets better. Everyone is a beast in the UFC. So I just have to make sure that that confidence is seen by everyone. Um, my corner, the judges, the girl I'm fighting, I need to put that confidence right in her face. So if I could beat her, that's two fight, one streak, you know, and then mm-hmm. and then I could look at who's next and hopefully it'll be someone that people are excited about to keep uh, building that that uh, talk about me being somebody to think about in the conversation. Well, that girl. That opponent is Emily Ducote. The fight is December 2nd in Florida. We're just a couple weeks away. And I don't know if I'm going to get to talk to you between now and then. So I'm going to wish you best luck. Obviously, the entire team go out there, take care of business and kick some ass. Thanks, man. Yeah, the, the fight's uh, December 3rd. Oh, I thought it was the 2nd. Uh, well, I mean. I'm trying, I'm trying to make it closer for you. <laughs> you're a journalist. <laughs> the weigh-in is on December 2nd. That's what I meant. Then, yeah, uh, the, the real fight. <laughs> and then we're going to Universal Studios on December 4th. So. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. That's a weekend. That's a weekend. Plus, yeah. you're going to have that dub to celebrate as Ooh. well. Overkill on a Wednesday. That's Angel Hill. I'm Ryan McKinnell. That's Anthony Smith. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here. From WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more, we talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Jimmy Smith is a knowledgeable man in many areas of life. I'm a one-man phenom of information. And he's gracious enough to share that knowledge by answering your questions about any subject you desire. Just email your question to utcmailbag at gmail.com and have them answered by Jimmy Smith himself. The Wednesday tradition continues on Unlocking the Cage. It's time for the Midweek Mailbag on Sirius XM Fight Nation. That's right, UTC Mailbag at gmail.com is where you send your questions. The, the best part of KOB's week is going through them because they're so good and he gets to pick them out and decide what I talk about on Wednesdays. The power does get to his head a little bit. It does. I'm wondering it's gotten to his head now. KOB, you let me know, man. How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling pretty good. Good deal. Good deal. Whenever you're ready, you move on whenever you feel like it. You've got mail. Whenever. Just, yeah, whenever. 
I feel like it right now. So okay, oh, right okay, now. all right. Okay, make it true. Good. Because I because I feel like it. Okay, all right. Um, talk a little bit. About, we've got that. Whenever, whenever you feel like talking it. a little bit about that. Uh, we've been talking about this today earlier, but this comes from Mark in New Jersey. I feel like it might as well be uh, Kob in New Jersey. Uh, Kob in New Jersey. Uh, the question, uh, hey Jimmy, if Frank Yeager had gotten the nod against Henderson the second time around and reclaimed the lightweight title. How much of an effect do you think it would have had on his career and legacy? And is he the biggest overachiever in MMA history? Number one, I definitely consider him the biggest overachiever in MMA history. I do. I do. When you look at his physical talent, when you look at his like technical ability, um, KB, let me be an, an a-hole and answer a question with a question. Have you ever seen Frank Edgar do something you have not learned at some point training MMA or wrestling that, that you didn't learn to do. Mate, you don't do it as well as Frank Yeager, but you could do what he did. True, yes. Right, double leg, one, two, three combinations, simple footwork. It's not like, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. His little shoulder shove, knee tap, he, takedown. Right, yeah, shoulder shove, knee tap. That's not, you know, that, that's high school wrestling stuff. It's not that comp. Now, he does it very well. He's in great shape. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm, I'm saying... He makes stone soup, right? He makes this meal with ingredients that everybody has. This isn't like special stuff. He just puts it together in a way that no one else can. That makes him an incredible overachiever. A guy made 35 comparatively comfortably, didn't look like death on the scale, and won a title at 155 pounds. That is the definition of overachieving. Physically, dude, you are not a lightweight. You never were. Even in an era where they were a little bit smaller than they are now, you were too small. Shouldn't have been there at all. That is the definition of overachiever. If he beats Benson Henderson in the second fight, so it would be reclaiming, not defending the title. Am I reading that right, KOB? Yes, second fight. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, he would, be, he would have won the title back, been a two-time lightweight champion. It puts him above Benson Henderson for sure. It might put him above BJ Penn. I, I wouldn't put him above Khabib. I right now put Khabib the greatest lightweight of all time. I don't think him being a two-time champ would change that in my opinion. But also, and, and, and this is, uh, KOB, I'm throwing out to you because it could be me. BJ Penn is one of those where you go back and look at his fights in his prime, in his title run. Joe Daddy, right, when he beat um, Diego Sanchez. When he beat Sean Sherrick, remember he waved off the fight, waved off his own fight after a flying knee knockout. He had a wow factor that, my God, he was so talented and he was so amazing. And maybe that wow factor makes me overestimate him. But I would still probably put BJ Penn second. But if he had been a two-time champion, a lot of people would have put him ahead of BJ Penn. Where would you have put him? Because BJ Penn was like... You almost had to be there to, to, to see how good BJ Penn was. But right? here's the thing for me, Jimmy. This is where the plot yeah. thickens. Because if he would have won the title back, you got to assume he would have kept defending. And if yeah. I, I brought up Benson Henderson's uh, resume from after he beat Frankie. Tell me if you think Frankie beats these people. Yes. Nate Diaz. Yes. Gilbert Melendez. Gil would have been tough. Gil would have been tough then. Um, simply because Gil was an excellent grappler in his own right and a big 155-pounder. That would have been a challenge. But, yeah, he might have. Anthony Pettis. The fact that you have to think about it this long, I think, automatically shows how good Frankie was. No, it's true. It's true. He might have beaten all those guys. I'm just saying, you know, and also 
folks, you might be saying, oh, that Anthony Pettis. No, dude, Anthony Pettis back then was Wheaties legit. Showtime like, Pettis. Wheaties Showtime Pettis. Showtime kick, Showtime Pettis, right? That's what you're kind of underestimating. Nate kind of looked like Nate. Nate, I don't think, is that different then than he is now. Um, Pettis was way better. Gill was way better. And and that's kind of the issue is I don't know if he gets past all of those guys, but he certainly is in each of those fights. Get what I'm saying? Like he's 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 certainly a factor in all those fights. You yeah. know a fight we never got to see, which would have been, and I know they trained together, so I don't know how much how quick they would have been. Eddie Alvarez yes. and Frankie, and that's yeah. exactly what that's what I used to think too. Yeah, because yeah. if he just kept going on that run, that's who he runs into next is Eddie Alvarez. So well, it's RDA and then Eddie Alvarez, but like. Because I think I see Eddie as kind of a bigger Frankie Edgar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, similar, just hard work in Philly. Like a true, a, light, better, a true lightweight, but Frankie Edgar. But a true lightweight, yeah. And also, I think, from what I heard, by the way, um, of them training together, Frankie got the better of the wrestling, but in the striking, um, Eddie used to put it on him. And I believe that. I believe he's just, he was a, a better boxer than Frankie. So, yeah, it would have depended what kind of run he had afterward. He might get ahead. He definitely gets ahead of Benson Henderson if he wins the title again. He, I don't know if he gets ahead of BJ, but he could. But still, he isn't number one. I think, I think Khabib's number one. Next. Mail, motherfucker. Well, speaking of Frankie Edgar, this comes from Keith, who says, Hey, crew. Uh, Jimmy, Frankie's last three KOs were all from shots coming from a low angle knee slash kick up the middle. Is there something he does that leaves him extremely open to that, or has he just lost the speed with age and can't avoid it anymore? He's lost the movement he used to have. I was thinking about this exact question a little while ago because I was rewatching the fight. And remember, he used to like TikTok so well. What I mean by TikTok, he was always shuffling left and right. It was like left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. It was like um, a shark in the water, right? Just always zoom, 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 zoom. And it was very hard to time him. I remember Sean Sherrick. Um, kind of at the end of Sean Shirk's run, but whatever. Sean Shirk in his fight with Frankie Edgar couldn't get Frankie to stand still. He couldn't get Frankie to stand still long enough to line up the big shot or line up the double leg or anything like that. He couldn't get Frankie to stop moving. And Frankie lost that perpetual motion that made him a difficult target, that made him hard to time, that made him frustrating to fight on the feet. That's what he's missing. Did he slow down? Yeah. Did Was he the kind of guy who dipped his head a whole lot? Not a whole lot, even in the beginning of his career and even at the end. He was always short. He was always a short fighter. And so you always think, like, hey, throw one up the middle, hit a knee, see if I can get this short guy, you know, on the way down or something like that. But I think it's more he lost his ability to cut angles all the time where you could never see where his head would be at any particular moment. He lost that a lot. KOB, fair or not? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like, I almost felt like he still had some head motion, but I almost thought it was just a hair slower. And there, there yeah. were times when you watch his earlier fights where he just barely gets out of the way of certain things. Some of that slowed down a little bit, and I think he was getting clipped. But I also think he just – going up against taller guys, man. Like, he just – that speed, that movement that you're talking about wasn't quite there. And you can't make those mistakes against against bigger guys, especially like a Corey Sanhagen who got caught, who caught him with a knee. Big dude. You think yeah, you're out of range, like and then those guys are right there. I've, I have been clipped many a time because I'm like, I, I'm good here. Nope. <laughs> Not so much. Right. It's, it's, it's almost like Frankie, when you saw his movement as exceptional early on in his career, like, man, he really doesn't. He didn't have a choice. At that size, with that body frame and that style, you got to move all the time. 
all the time. And if you don't, the moment you set your feet for a second, you're going to get blasted. And as he got older and slowed down just a little bit and that movement wasn't there, we're seeing the results in his last few fights. Good question, though. Next. Message. All right. Next up, this comes from Alex in Seattle who says, hey, K Crew. Alex, what's uh, up, Seattle? He says, with all the drama, grudge slash revenge matches, back and forth fights and finishes of UFC 281, would you say it was top to bottom the best UFC event in history? No. Mm-mm. You know, and, and the reason why is, for example, UFC 100 is, is widely considered the greatest UFC card of all time. What, three title fights on the line? Big names like Brock Lesnar, right? This was one of those where it did deliver, and I think it was the best card of the year. And I don't think that's – I don't know if anybody – first off, KOB, best card of the year? I don't think anybody like necessarily argue about it. It's, no, that's, it's, that's best card yeah. of the year without – Yeah, best card of the year, yeah. With, with a bullet. Right. I remember UFC cards that kind of stopped traffic, right, where the guy at 7-Eleven made sure he didn't miss the card. The UFC 100, probably the best example, right, was UFC 100. But greatest all time is like people aren't doing anything that day because this card is so big, right? Three titles on the line, all this stuff, right? And that was just one of those things where other – other cards have delivered more. Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir for the heavyweight title. George St. Pierre versus Thiago Alves for the welterweight title. Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisping. John Fitch versus Paulo Thiago. Yo- uh, Yoshihiro Akiyama, sexy Yama for people who don't know him, versus Alan Belcher. That was your main card. Uh, the undercard had Mark Coleman versus Stefan Bonner. John Jones versus Jake O'Brien. Jim Miller versus Mac Danzig. That was a great card. And um, the buy rate was 1.6 million. So there have been cards where they put more into it than this one. This one over-delivered for what it had, right? I mean, it, it had two title fights, but I think both over-delivered in a certain way. But there have been others that had more star-studded content where people were like, oh, my God, I'm not missing this card for anything. So greatest all time? I don't know. I don't know. But, it, but it's definitely best of the year. KOB, fair or not? Uh, fair. I, it's funny. Yeah. I, I can't remember that many finishes, and like we had all these grudge matches. A lot of it yeah. lived, up, lived up to the hype. Even like as mad as everyone was at Carla Esparza coming out of the Rose fight, dude. That was a fun scramble fest between great the two one. Of them. So like yeah. you got your excitement, you absolutely got your money's worth. And sometimes it's pretty rare with these pay per views that like when you look at it top to bottom, like every fight delivered. Yeah, I, I might go so far as to call it the best. In, in UFC, I think the closest you get is 189. But even they had some. Duds That's a great here. one. Yeah, they had some duds here and there though. So I think with what you got with that, like what it said, the record and finish or tied the record for like the most finishes, especially in the first round. Yeah. I think it might actually be the best card of all time. For people who don't don't remember 189, that was Connor versus Chad Mendez. For people who don't remember, that had the Robbie Lawler. Um, Roy McDonald war on it. Oh, absolutely unbelievable. Jeremy Stevens, Dennis Bermudez. You know what's funny? That Mc- Nelson was on him, but I don't remember who he fought. That, yeah. that McDonald, uh, yeah, Dennis Bermudez, uh, Jeremy yeah. Stevens, uh, Gunnar Nelson, Brandon Thatch. Brandon Thatch, yeah. Um, but it's funny. I feel like because you have that like that, that McDonald-Robbie fight. Oh, God. It's like having that banger single on an album. Like <laughs> It's just the album just yeah. becomes awesome. Like, yeah. I, I feel like 189 will always be tough to top because you're like, well, we got to put it over one of the greatest fights in, in MMA history. Like, it's just so tough to top it. But I think when you look at it from a true, like, top-to-bottom event, 
how the action played out, what was on the line, the hype going into it. I think this this card delivered the way most don't. Yeah, and and also when I when I think about Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald, I can't. I almost feel the pain. Like I, it almost like hurts my face when I when I I'm like oh when I think about the end of that fight and Roy McDonald collapsing in agony as his septum is smashed into freaking jello. That was that was something special. Robbie, Lawler, remember Robbie just standing up yelling. Oh God! It just had great moments. It was a great card. Yeah, no, this is going to live on as as a great UFC card, an all time great UFC card, definitely best of the year. I'm just saying there were other cards that had more star power than this one. This one over delivered. This one over delivered. But there are others that have a ton of star power and Conor McGregor and all this stuff that deliver. And like the guy at Seven Eleven is knows what's coming on and what time it, it starts. This one I don't put on that level. Next, you've got mail. All right, this comes from Chris in Maine, who says, Hey, Jimmy, let's say they do the immediate rematch between Izzy and Pereira. With middleweight trying to sort itself out the next, starting to, trying to sort out the next contender, if Izzy wins the title back, do you think they do three straight fights between Izzy and Pereira the way they have with Figueredo and Moreno? Yes. Yes, they do. I, do, I believe it. I believe it. Because here is the factor that, that, for example, Izzy Figueredo doesn't have, all right? And remember, um, the, the, the idea – I'm sorry, uh, uh, Moreno versus Figueredo. W- what this doesn't have is you have one side of this, meaning Alexander Pereira, I don't think beats another top five middleweight easily. The UFC is not going to risk this fight – not happening, this trilogy, because we decided to give the guy a little more experience. I don't believe that. If he fights and loses to Paulo Costa or Jared Cannonier or Robert Whitaker, so let's say, for example, Izzy wins. All right, Izzy wins the rematch, he wins the title. And they go, okay, let's give prayer to somebody else, and he loses. That derails this trilogy, and they're flushing money down the toilet. Because right now, Israel Asanya as champion has looked so good that there aren't many that you want to see him fight. No, no, no. This one goes all the way through because they can't risk a side tour. They can't risk a little detour and having Alex Pereira lose. KOB, fair or not. No, they can't I think risk absolutely. It. it makes yeah. all the sense in the world because especially if Whitaker can slide himself in before Izzy gets to fight for the title again, if they don't do no, or let's say, you know, Izzy wants to get his knee looked at, the PCL looked at, and all that stuff like that, and he can't quite make it. Right. Whitaker could slot in and try, and then it's a different situation. But, like, if they give Izzy the immediate rematch and he wins again, yeah, I think there's no way. Like, there's no other contender right now. Maybe Strickland if he can, if he can pull together a win, but, like, why wouldn't she just try to squeeze this for all it's worth? And then he beats Pereira, and then so what? Yeah. Then it's what? It's, it's, it's Strickland versus Izzy, and we're all excited about that? No. Exactly. Yeah, it's 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 they're not going to flush away the money that this trilogy could make because on some other contender that they've already seen fight for the title, it's it's not going to happen. Yeah. Next, mail motherfucker. All right, this comes from Joe in South Dakota. Who says, "Hey Jimmy, with four straight losses and three of them by devastating KO loss, is Dominic Reyes's UFC career about to be over? And what would his appeal be for other promotions after this slump?" <sighs> Number one, not a lot of appeal in other promotions. I, I, I don't think he'd get top dollar from Bellator or anybody else, PFL. I, I don't think that. And it would only be like a PFL where it's like, okay, there's a season. 
you know, maybe he has his comeback and I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, all right, like where 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 it's like, okay, we're gonna give you a spot in our season and hopefully you can make it. He wouldn't make a ton of free agent money for anybody else. So let me say that. He doesn't have a whole lot of value. Um, is his career over? From what I saw, he'll probably fight one more. If you didn't see his Instagram post, it was the like, oh, well, didn't go my way. I'll be back. So he isn't doing the kind of soul searching that Brad Riddell did. He isn't doing the kind of, well, the fire's out. This might be it. He isn't doing those things. So I think he'll fight again. But functionally, his career might be over. And I don't think he makes a lot of money on the free agent market. That's how I feel about it. KOB? No, sounds about right. I, yeah. I, I don't know which one would try to take him in either, considering like if he wasn't continuing. But it would again. be PFL going. Here's your standard little True. amount. You're you're in the season. Okay, sure. if you don't succeed, it's up to you. Something. So that's the only thing I can think of. Right? Is that they just go? Okay, like all right, just, you're in the season with everybody else. Hopefully, you make something out of it. You know, that's all I can think of. Yeah. Answer my question. This comes from Ryan in New York. He says, "Hey, Jimmy." What are some do's and don'ts or overall lessons you would tell a person who was looking to get into broadcasting? Do's and don'ts and overall lessons. Uh, number one, the do is take every gig that will come your way. Period. End of sentence. Right? You are going to start out, whatever your thing is, soccer or baseball, whatever. If you're soccer, you're going to do college stuff, or junior college somewhere. If, you, if it's baseball, you're going to do AAA stuff in the middle of nowhere. Just get used to it. Brendan Fitzgerald and I talked about him doing, like, local high school sports in North Dakota or wherever the hell he was. Everybody starts out doing absolutely nothing. Every gig you get, and, and hit record. If you, are in, if you want to get into broadcasting, hit record. And this is true. We break balls a lot, but it's true. Every gig you get, or the vast majority of the gigs you get, are, will, will be from people you worked with who move up in this business and go somewhere and recommend you. That is how most of this works. All right, that's how I got into Bellator. That's how I got into WWE. That's how I got into UFC. Is I worked with somebody. They went somewhere else and went, and they said, we need a broadcaster. And you go, this guy's good. If you aren't good to work with, and you are a dick to people around you, they won't recommend you. Be good to work with. There you go. Now you know. KOB's like, why don't you like that with me? Except with KOB. Except with KOB. All right, it's oh, true. Except with KOB. I, I said that's, that's what got you here too, Jimmy Smith. Yeah, thanks. Right? <laughs> yeah, Luke Thomas went, I like Jimmy. He's a good dude. Work with that guy. And here I am. Thanks a lot, utcmailbag at gmail.com. That's where you well, send your actually, questions. Actually, Jimmy, I have, I have one more here for you. Oh, please. Just, just a quick fun, quick fun one here. Message. Uh, this comes from KE who says, hey, Jimmy, it's been mm-hmm. reported that Tom Brady's old lady has been seen with her jiu-jitsu coach out in Miami. Mm-hmm. I think you need to squash that beef before you get in trouble and keep them hands up. <laughs> Why? What, what? What? I don't know what you are talking about, jujitsu coach in South Florida. That may or may not be me. I right? think I'm, I dude, think he's I, looking for some explaining from you. Something, well, I, you, something you may want to tell us. I a don't have to explain anything to you people. First off, secondly, what a grown woman. Does with her time with her jujitsu coach is between her and the promotion she doesn't deserve in jujitsu. Let's put it that way. Giselle, be right there. Hold up. I'm still on air. Still on air. MMA on Sirius XM is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. 
you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Plus, catch Unlocking the Cage weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern and MMA Today Tuesday to Thursday from 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156, and on the SXM app. SiriusXM Podcasts.